everybody. What's up? Welcome into the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. It is Tuesday, August 23rd, as we sit down to record this episode. Michael Beller, Jake Seeley, Brandon Funston here with you. This is it, guys. We've been talking about draft season approaching, getting closer, starting early drafts, yada, yada, yada. This is it. This point forward, we are in the heart of draft season. In fact, I have my first real draft that I consider like a real draft later tonight. Jake, it is uh, your flex leagues. I am in the online super flex league, so looking forward to that. And I've got between now and Labor Day, six drafts or auctions. So I'm super pumped. How about you, Jake? How many more you still got ahead of you? So are those all in-season management or any of those best ball? Because that's the Those are all in-season management. Those are my six uh, in-season – oh, no, five. Excuse me. Those are my five in-season <laughs> management leagues. The, the, the fiancé actually asked me the other day how many leagues I was in, and I said, well, what, do you want to talk like where I have to roster manage or just like best ball? And she, she actually knew what I was talking about. I was impressed. Beautiful. She knew what the, so I actually I have two more that are managed rosters. Uh, most of the remaining – I do have almost – Almost double digits remaining, but the most of them are best ball now at this point. Just with us in this industry, I can't. I'm, you know this. I sent out the email for the flex leagues, and I was like, "Hey, let's make trades. You still make waivers. You still do everything, but game day lineups are best ball. You still do everything mm-hmm. else." Nando was like, "You're a genius. Thank you." And I got a lot of pushback. I was surprised. Yeah. I thought because of the industry, because of us, because of how busy we are on Sunday morning, I thought people would welcome that with open arms. But I got a lot of pushback. I was surprised. Yeah. Funston, how about you, man? Uh, I have three. I got propositioned for another league this morning at morning basketball. I gave him the highs. Yeah. I gave Were you on a corner? Ooh. Like, hey, Funston, you're in a fantasy. Do, do a league with me. I'm like, no, dude. I got too many leagues. I got three more to draft. I'm not adding one more just because you know me. Uh, yeah, it's not happening. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I had, to, I had to punt that guy to the curb. But, uh, yeah, three more. Two, two uh, really competitive local leagues that I've been doing for a long mm-hmm. time. So those are the biggies. It's beautiful. It's that time of year, my friends. NFL season right around the corner. We're going to get into some in, out, or no doubt on this episode of the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. And yeah, there were just, as we get close to draft season, I'm thinking about every player top to bottom. And, you know, there were just some guys who jumped out at me as guys who, for one reason or another, we just haven't really talked about on this show this summer. So we're going to hit on five of those guys and their ADPs as they stand just over the last week and what we're feeling about them as we're heading into the heart of draft season. The guy who I want to start off with is Alvin Kamara. Now, obviously, we, we sort of sidestepped this conversation just because all summer long we weren't sure if he was going to be suspended, if he was suspended how long that suspension would be. So it made playing with his you know, fantasy value a, a little bit murky and a little bit not worth having the discussion You know, three weeks ago or six weeks ago. But now we are here on the doorstep of the season. It appears that he is not going to be facing any discipline for this coming year. So we can really dig into Alvin Kamara in a way that we haven't already. ADP over the last week in NFFC draft is 17.57. This is full PPR. This is high stakes. You want to pay a little bit more attention to where he is at the RB position, and that is 10. So, Jake, if you are having a draft tonight, tomorrow, next week, how are you feeling about Alvin Kamara going into it? 100% no doubt in on Alvin Kamara. I have him back-to-back with Saquon Barkley inside my top 10 running backs because the only concern we had was whether or not he was going to suspend it, which as you mentioned, like everything sounds like it's next year, whether or not Jameis Winston throws to running backs less than Drew Brees. I mean, that's Drew Brees, and Drew Brees mm-hmm. is also one of the best passers that we've seen for some time. So we knew there was going to be a downtick for Alvin Kamara, but that's why Alvin Kamara is 
bottom 10 running back or even later for some people versus being the top three or four like he used to be. So at the fact that he's right here with, I have him, like I said, back to back with Saquon Barkley, similar concerns, quarterback play. I'm in on Jameis Winston having a bounce back year. Similar offensive concerns, like what's going to be the flow. Prospect from the, the injury, he played well enough last year. Right, when he right, was right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah. Bounce back can mean different things. Give me, you know, yeah. the injury or performance or whatever mm-hmm. it might be. Um, and I actually mentioned that about Jameis Winston, but Jameis, Jameis was up and down too, though, because a lot of it came in that five touchdown game, and sure. there was a couple hundred yard. Game. He actually go. Hey, you just you gave me the opportunity. Go check out the article. Do it. Do last it. year's trash <laughs> on the Athletic. There you go. Jameis Winston's the quarterback I mentioned. So. The, as for Alvin Kamara, that's what it was. It's just whether or not you like the situation, whatever it might be, the lack of suspension makes him a top 10 running back. Uh, I am 100% in agreement. I have him at RB8 right now. I have Saquon Barkley at RB. I have, I have Saquon Barkley at 9. I have Swift at 10. And I have Dalvin Cook at 7. So he's right in that range. I mean, I once it's starting to look like he's not going to be suspended this year. And it makes a lot of sense. If you're going to, you know, ultimately serve what, like a six game suspension, do it in your age 28 season and not your age 27. If you can if you can finagle the the legal system in that way, um, then, you know, so be it. But like for me, it makes a lot of sense for Alvin Kamara. It makes a lot of sense for everybody involved if they can push this thing off. And it looks like they're getting close to being successful. I mean, I'm you know, that's what we've been waiting on the whole time. And now I'm. I don't know that I'm 100% thinking he's not going to get suspended, but I'm close enough that I'm ranking him as such. And if, if that's the case, then I start to think about him in the same light as Dalvin Cook and Saquon Barkley, guys that have as high a ceiling as anybody at the running back position. But, you know, even without the suspension, there is, you know, some injury question marks, some contextual question marks with him like there is with Dalvin Cook, like there is with Saquon Barkley. I would imagine, you guys, that most fantasy players think of last year as something of a disappointment for Alvin Kamara. And this was a team that was in total disarray. I mean, go look at some of their end-of-game, uh, end-of-season games last year when Ian Book was playing quarterback and, like, the top receivers were Marquez Callaway and Lil Jordan Humphrey. Like, it was it was Deontay Hardy. For this who team, was... right? Yeah, Deontay Hardy. And so, I, so you have that context already to begin with. Alvin Kamara missed four games last season and still gave you more than 1,300 yards from scrimmage and nine touchdowns. And, like, things could not have possibly been worse for him for his from just his own health from a uh, team context standpoint. It was as bad as it could realistically be, short of, like, a season-ending injury in week one or week two. And he gave you more than 1,300 yards from scrimmage, 47 catches, and nine touchdowns. I mean, like, that's well, what we're talking about when we talk about Alvin Kamara. And so I'll make this unanimous, very much in. Yeah, I was just going to also mention that th- I was just looking it up quickly. Three of his final eight games, he had 30 plus touches, which is, you know, that's dinosaur usage. Like people yeah. don't, you know, it's Christian McCaffrey when he's when he's, you know, completely healthy. But that's, you know, that's, and that's not going to be the case this year. You've got, I mean, three receivers who they didn't have last year yeah. between Michael Thomas, Chris Olave and Jarvis Landry all here. So obviously that is going to change. But I think any of us will trade 30 touches that Alvin Kamara was getting toward the end of the season in three of those eight games for a better offense and a better environment, a better foundation for scoring that they're going to have in New Orleans this year. Yeah. 19 to 21 touches with a better offense. Take that, you know, yeah. on a consistent Take that. Basis. 
all all day, every day. And so, uh, to be honest, you guys, I mean, again, I said I pulled this from the last week, these ADPs. I wouldn't be surprised if he climbed up a little bit from here. As I said, RB10 in these NFFC leagues over the last few weeks, the three running backs going right in front of him are Saquon Barkley, DeAndre Swift, and Joe Mixon. I'm not going to say he's going to jump all three of those guys and end up in the Dalvin Cook, Derrick Henry range, but I wouldn't be surprised to see him maybe inch past Mixon, maybe Mixon and Swift, and end up in that RB8 range where both of you guys have him. No matter how you slice it, we are in on Alvin Kamara. How about C.D. Lamb, another highly drafted guy who we just really haven't dug into that much on this show so far this summer, you guys. He sits with an ADP, 13.64. Again, full PPR, high stakes leagues. You see the wide receivers pushed up. Wide receiver six is really also what we're talking about here. We use these NFFC leagues because you can localize the draft data so well. Like I said, this is just over the last week, 104 drafts. So it's a nice meaty chunk of data that gives us CeeDee Lamb at wide receiver six. You guys, I love CeeDee. It's impossible to not love CeeDee. I'm starting to get a little bit worried about this team. We don't know what's going on with Michael Gallup. Jalen Tolbert is the wide receiver, too. James Washington getting hurt really was like a blow to the offense. This is not the 2016 or 2017 Dallas offensive line. Like, there's just, there's a way this goes sideways for the Cowboys, and it has me a little bit wary about CD at that price. Where are you at, Funston? I'm close. I, I, you know, and not too long ago, I moved CD ahead of Mike Evans to the number six wide receiver spot. I'm not sure why I did that, though. I, I what, why I did it is because if things go so you right, sure why you did it? Yeah, if things go right, <laughs> CD Lamb's a higher volume receiver than Mike Evans for sure. Yeah, you know, Mike yeah. Evans is going to be like seventy five. I, I would say even if even just that's how things are going to go, he will be a higher volume right. receiver. But then I think back, he didn't look good a lot of times last year. I mean, drops and the, the catch percentage was like 65%. So was Amari Cooper. So there was, you know, there's something there with the receivers and Dak last year that wasn't completely gelling. Um, but, I mean, there's just a the huge vacuum created by Amari Cooper's absence. Like, there's just going to be so much volume. It's hard not to like. It's hard not to be seduced by his talent. I, mm-hmm. I agree there's some contextual stuff there. And there's just C.D. Lamb not really fully realizing all his talent yet. Um, but the, the upside's higher than Mike Evans. And that's why you would put him at number six. I like Mike Evans as just the, one of the safest floor guys in the league. But so that's where you kind of have to come down to it. To me, it's right there. It's am I am I going for ceiling? Or am I going for floor here? And some days I'm thinking ceiling. Some days I'm thinking floor. And I have a feeling I might vacillate some more on those two. But it's it's close. So I I think I'm mostly in. But it's just kind of right on the edge. Mm, I'm 100 percent, no doubt, all in. And I actually have CD Lamb as wide receiver five. And Ooh. it comes down to. It's pure volume, and it's talent, too. I still think there was a couple things going wrong with the Cowboys last year, just down the board. I mean, from Dak to the wide receivers to injury, and this is injuries down the board, too, is from Dak to the wide receivers, multiple, Cooper, Lamb, they're all banged up at points. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott, like this this offense just was disjointed last year. There's zero consistency they could even get from a week-in and week-out standpoint. And so if it was Lamb. But I still believe in the talent. I still believe there were some hiccups there that we saw, but we know what he could be. And what it comes down to is for everybody talking about the Cowboys running more last year, they still threw more than the year before, which granted the extra game, but it was 630-something to 640-something. It's Okay, so they threw maybe, what, 2% less because when you factor out the one game. So even if you take 600 targets and they run more again this year, you're talking about 28 
I mean, I, I honestly be surprised if he's one of the few wide receivers that gets a 30% target share and not even giving him 30%. Just give him 28. Give him 27%. I'm talking about 160 targets for CeeDee Lamb. He's going to be inside the top five, potentially second only mm-hmm. to Cooper Cup in targets. And if not struggles more so than Cooper Cup on his per-target basis, you're still talking 120-plus receptions, and I'm still going to take that coming from Dak Prescott. Uh, this can obviously go sideways, but if I'm taking everything I believe is the player and that there still is better here, and maybe Lamb is a bust, and in the bust in the sense that he isn't a true number one and he's just a number sure. two, that's a possibility. But if I'm drafting, the reason I have a ton of CD Lamb is because same reason I have a ton of Schultz, and I have Lamb in front of Stefan Diggs. That's exactly what I was going to ask you. Do you have do you have Lamb over Diggs or Devontae? So you so go so with I got Adam, Cup, Lamb. Jefferson, Chase, Devontae, Lamb? Cup, Chase, Jefferson, Adams, Lamb's Diggs. And that Chase Jefferson has everybody losing their damn line because everybody wants to put Jefferson at number one. So don't get me started on that. Yeah, I've done that look at times. you. <laughs> look at you. Justin Jefferson, wide receiver three. Give, my give, word. And that's, my, that's actually a real good thing. 167 <laughs> targets for Jefferson last year. Yeah. Lamb had 120. Give Lamb that jump to Jefferson, and I think we're talking about him in that conversation of 15, 1,600 yards, 8, 9, 10 touchdowns. Now, isn't Justin Jefferson just a better player than CeeDee Lamb, though? Volume or, you know, volume sure, all Sure, but I, that's, why I, that's why I came back on Jefferson's was 1,600 plus and 10 touchdowns. That's why I said 15, 6, 7, 8, like, or 8, 9, 10. Like, I, I decreased him about 10% still. Yeah. But here's the thing: is, I, so, is so Jefferson I, 180 targets in a in a new world order without Zimmer? 13 more targets, sure, but I don't necessarily think it is. <laughs> the whole game, they keep the, whole game for Justin Jefferson could be like 170 and three. It's but the, here's the thing too: is like everybody's like going crazy about Jefferson. Like we're talking about 167 targets, even mm-hmm. if he got to 180. But that we're discount. You can't, and I know you're not doing this, Faustin. But for everybody out there, it's like we can't keep playing both games here. You can't keep saying KJ Osborne is going to break out, Irv Smith is going to see more. Sure. There's more three wide, and Jefferson's going. To, Kirk Cousins is not throwing the ball 700 times like Tom Brady did. Hey, they're like, going to scheme up did, a lot of mismatches for him though with those three wide. Yeah, sure. I, you're going to sure. see plenty of three wide with Osborne and and, uh, and no. So, so here's my pushback on my own Jefferson argument: is that even if it's 167 targets, the efficiency goes up and it's not 108. But my point about Chase versus Jefferson is that Chase has the bigger leap to be able to be made. He was 128 targets and neck and neck with Jefferson last year. So if Jefferson gets to 180, it's still not as great as Chase going from 128 to 160. And that's what it comes down. Now, if you don't believe that's possible, that's why you customize the projections. But that's where (laughs) that conversation comes into play. They're going to make the Bengals work a lot harder, I think. You know, all that single high that they saw uh, might be a little bit different this year. But anyways, to round out the conversation on C.D. Lamb, I said what I said at the start of this, but I'm still like I'm not taking, you know, you look at the next wide receivers by ADP behind him, Debo, Tyreek Hill. Evans, Pittman, A.J. Brown, like I'm still taking him next. I, for him versus Evans is, I think, a, a fun debate, but I'm still probably taking CeeDee Lamb as the wide receiver six. I wish that this Dallas offense felt a little bit strong. I mean, they, they, they feel like they are a house of cards, uh, but I'm still going to be taking CeeDee Lamb at that wide receiver six spot. Let's get on to our next guy here, you guys. It is Michael Thomas taking us back to New Orleans. Now, same deal. We didn't talk about Michael Thomas for most of this summer for obvious reasons as he was working his way back from injury, but all signs point to him being A-OK and ready to go at the start of the season. So, Jake, now we can really have our first check-in that we've had all summer on this show, just generally. How are you feeling about Michael Thomas? 
Oh, excuse me. I'm sorry. Uh, ADP 57.69, wide receiver 30 is the the ADP that we're looking at here. So with that in mind, how are you feeling about Michael Thomas? I'm feeling are we going to find a player that I'm no doubt all in on that I'm not so far because I have Michael Thomas as wide receiver 22. And that still might be underselling what Michael Thomas can be with Jameis Winston. We just talked about part of the the fact is what I mentioned Winston for – this this situation for him being a bounce back again you know you mentioned the injury but all they've said is like if you look at the article Winston was a smarter quarterback last year his completion percentage actually went down but that was a good thing because he wasn't throwing insane passes 30 yards downfield and Mm -hmm. interceptions would have been incomplete anyway but what it was is as you mentioned and my point in the article was no quarterback saw a greater increase in talent than Winston did from last year to this year when now you have Michael Thomas back Jarvis Landry Chris Olave whose game that being Winston's has come into the intermediate game where he had Mm -hmm. his highest QBR of his career and by far destroyed his touchdown to interception rate which used to be like 1.234 and it was over (laughs) four last year he came became such a better quarterback Who's one of the best intermediate wide receivers in the NFL? Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas. Like, so <laughs> we're just and, – and this isn't an A.J. Green situation. He's not 33, 34, 35. He's 30. So, yes, he hasn't played an entire year. Yes, there is risk. Here's the good news. You draft him as your wide receiver three. If your wide receiver three with top 10 potential doesn't work out – it's a lot more salvageable and easier to swallow than if your top 10 wide receiver doesn't pan out. Yeah, I'm, I am I have him ranked wide receiver 30, so I guess I'm in. But I think, you know, when I think about my mentality, like I'm just looking at like NFFC data over the you know the last couple of weeks and like 28th Juju Smith-Schuster, uh, you know, and there's Amari Cooper right in that range. Um, like I might go that direction with people that are a little bit more like safe values. If it's like Elijah Moore or Rashad Bateman, I might just go Michael Thomas because I think we're, we're kind of projecting expectations for more and Bateman, which we haven't seen. So it kind of throws him back in the Michael Thomas thing where we're projecting that Michael Thomas is suddenly going to be healthy after two years of being all over the map with his health, but mental, you know, makeup. There's some weird, there's some stuff there that you're not quite sure about. Um, So I don't know. I, I still think there's, there's risk with Michael Thomas. And if I'm, if I'm in the same range and I'm looking at a bunch of other guys like Rashad Bateman and Elijah Moore, who carry some risk because we haven't seen it, then I might, I might go Michael Thomas. If it's Juju Smith-Schuster, if it's Amari Cooper, I might go with the guys that I feel like, okay, they're 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 safer, they're higher floor. Um, with Michael Thomas, we could literally get like, he's already dealing with a hamstring injury. You just saw that come out. Like you could literally get half a season from him and who would, who would bat an eyelash at that? We've already seen it the last two years. So, um, so yeah, I'm mo- I'm sort of in, but it's just you know in the context of who's available in that range, I might go a different direction depending on what's there. Yeah, I'm in here uh, for for what Jake said. Uh, I mean, it's pretty easy for me to buy into Michael Thomas. I will say though that like when I think about this this situation as a whole, I, I sort of think about this New Orleans group wanting one of them. Doesn't it feel like one of these guys between Thomas Alave and Jarvis Landry like almost has to? Just the sheer math of it significantly outperform ADP because you've got uh, you've got Thomas at wide receiver thirty, you've got Olave at wide receiver forty five, and you've got Landry at wide receiver fifty nine. Like, I'm not going to draft all three of them onto the same team, but I sort of want to make sure I'm coming out of my drafts with one of them and having that shot at getting the Saint who 
outperforms his ADP by 15 spots to the position. It, it feels you, like one of them is almost a certain lock to do it. If you can get all of them at ADP, it would, might not be a terrible idea to draft all of them. You, you might, you're probably going to get, you know, they're all going to sort of deliver around it. And, and like you said, one or two of them could significantly outperform yeah. what they're at. <laughs> not Landry. Is that a net to the, the, uh, no, that, no, the thought of Landry. one of them for sure no. being... Yeah, it's, it's, Tom, it's Thomas and Alave. Yeah, I'm not interested in Landry wow. a couple of years ago. We lo- we loved Landry. Sing for the Ohio State fight team. song for us while you're at it, Jake. <laughs> Landry, <laughs> we loved him as our wide receiver three because you always got him as your wide receiver three. He was always a wide receiver three, potentially fringe wide receiver two and a half in full point PPR, but he's just not anymore. He's somebody that you're getting you him as a wide find. receiver six, seven right now, though. I still don't want him because you know what he's <laughs> going to be? He's going to be the same thing that's on waivers. And I'd rather look, you're not wrong in the fact that he's going to be a wide receiver five. It's just, I can find a wide receiver five any week. I want the person who could potentially finish top 30 and he's not going to finish top 30. Yeah. Um, I would agree. I, with you I don't think that. he's going to finish top 30. I mean, he used to all the time, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, we're probably, those days are probably gone. Those days are gone with the great old dolphins uniforms too. How did they ever get rid of the logo with the dolphin wearing the helmet? That's just, I mean, absolutely insane that they still. Has anybody evolved to a better logo and a better look than what, like than what they had in the past? Don't we just love it when they all go back to their retro stuff? I mean, maybe yeah. the bear, maybe the bears and the and the Packers evolved to something better. But <laughs> are you talking about evolved like in the nineteen twenties? Yeah, exactly. I think that was the last time the Bears changed their logo. Block letters. That's about it. The 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 Giants with the with the underline, Jake. I prefer the NY than the than the all capitals Giants. So uh, that's but yeah. that's not a huge involvement. But they should go to their right, all right. whites anyway. They they should use their color rush all the time. Yeah, I like the whites. So should the Saints. Them. The Saints and the Giants should use their all white color rush <laughs> all the time. Hey. <laughs> One of these days, maybe that'll be the case. But for now, we're still just merchandising the crap out of all of these things. <laughs> right, Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb next up on our list here, you guys. Another guy who, for whatever reason, we just haven't talked a ton about. And I think for Nick Chubb, it's the fact that we just sort of know what Nick Chubb is. What mm. he is in terms of ADP, 27.03 overall, RB14. That RB14 number sticks out to me in a big way when we get to, when we talk about Nick Chubb. Bunsen, I'm going to let you take this one first, though. How are you feeling about Chubb at this price going into this season? Oh, I think I'm all in. I'm going to look really quick and see where I have him. I think I have him right there at like 13 or 14. Um, I think it, it, I think you're absolutely – I have him at 12. So um, he's basically the – to me, he's the Mike Evans of the running back position. Like mm-hmm. there is a couple things that you're going to get hung up on with him being like a true elite level guy, but you just know what you're going to get from week – you know, year in and year out. It's going to be – Something over a thousand rushing yards and eight to ten to twelve rushing touchdowns, and if he plays a full season, he's going to average probably five yards a carry, and uh, you're going to be a little bit wanting in the receptions. But he's, you know, he's capable of getting you thirty somewhere in the thirty to forty range if he plays a full year. So, I think he's a very safe back end RB one. If you can get him as an RB two, more power to you. But uh, you know, we're drafting those other guys for the ceiling. Um, Nick Chubb's as in, in reality is probably a top top three to four running back pick if someone's building a team from scratch like he's just as good a runner as there is in the league um so yeah there's just some some things that sort of stunt his overall ceiling in fantasy but i would be fine with nick chubb on my team 
I'm in there, which a lot of people ask me, why you're so low on Nick Chubb? Why do you hate Nick Chubb? And it's, I don't. It's what Fonson just said. It's If I want the consistent option who I know is going to finish somewhere between RB10 and 14, I'll take Nick Chubb. The problem is he has zero ceiling. He's got a high floor, but we've seen it. When games go sideways, if it gets past happy, he's just not going to be involved. That's just yeah. that's how they don't, they don't use him. And even if things change and the offense is better with Deshaun Watson down the road once his suspension's over, uh, you know, okay, score some more touchdowns. We can feel better about that. But Jacoby Brissett, if he's checking down as he has in the past and targeting the living hell out of his tight ends as he has in the past, it's probably going to be a little bit more cream hunt just because that's not what they do with Nick Chubb. So I love Nick Chubb as in a consistent running back. As Funston said, if I could get him as my two, maybe I went with a risky Christian McCaffrey or Saquon Barkley with my first running back, and I want that little bit of stability. Sure, but I think this is a fine spot for him. Nick Chubb's as simple as it gets. I feel like last two years, 16 receptions and 20 receptions. The dude's not going to catch passes. And guess what? For his overall production, it just doesn't matter. He's been RB10 both of those years. Last year, he was also RB10 by points per game. The year before that, he was RB6 by points per game. Like you said, Funston, if we're just talking about pure runners of the football, he's probably one of the three or four best in the NFL. I think everyone would agree with that, with what we've seen from him in his four years in the NFL to date. Uh, He's not going to catch a ton of passes. It just doesn't matter for him. So there's a reason why he's that good of a runner and down in the RB14 range. But once you get to this range, there's absolutely nothing wrong with grabbing Nick Chubb. And he's a great guy. If you go, you know, if we're we're just looking at this where he is um, in the overall picture, right, you've got... Him sitting at 27.03, I think in most leagues he's going to go higher than that. And so, right, you take a you take a Jamar Chase or a Justin Jefferson or a Cooper Cup with your first-round pick, and you can land Nick Chubb as your RB1, you're feeling pretty darn good about what you have done to start off your teams. Nick Chubb's not suddenly going to uh, be pushing RB1 or RB2 overall, but there's also a 0% chance that he is not a top 10-12 running back. That's just what he does, and this is still a very bankable run game in Cleveland regardless of who is playing quarterback. So easy to get on board with Nick Chubb at his expected draft day price. The final guy who we're going to get to on this episode of TAFFP is another guy who we haven't talked about largely because of the injury he was coming off of that he suffered at the end of last season, and that is Chris Godwin. Now, he's a little bit murkier in terms of when exactly he's going to return for the Buccaneers, but it certainly seems like if he does miss time, it's not going to be too much time at the beginning of the season. The ADP overall, 58.53, wide receiver, 31. Jake, get us started on Godwin. I'm saw There's another one. Uh, I guess it, Nick Chubb was the only one that I was no doubt all in on he was I was just in I'm no doubt all in on Chris Godwin because everything sounds positive and the fact that it'll be out there week one just maybe not 100% Chris Godwin mm-hmm. week one and that co- drew the comparison to last year's Saquon Barkley is okay you know so you get wide receiver three production the first two weeks three weeks but once he's Chris Godwin he's Chris Godwin he finished back to back with Mike Evans both as fringe wide receiver ones last year so why is everybody sitting here going, oh, my God, Julio Jones and Russell Gage? Like, we've eliminated Gronkowski from the equation. So that's where Gage and Julio come into play anyway. So if Chris Godwin's out there, it's not like he's going to be usurped by Julio at this point of his career. Russell Gage isn't a threat to Chris Godwin at this point of his career. Russell Gage is actually probably the biggest loss in this offense if Godwin is out there because Julio can be play outside that's actually where he should be playing it Godwin well that's where Gage is going to play because he plays a lot of that big slot type of role type situation so Godwin top 15 as soon as 100 percent and from the sounds of it that could be before the end of September so at this point 
opportunity cost of not what's on the board, but opportunity cost of what I'm getting once Godwin's back to himself, mm -hmm. I'll absolutely take him. I have him right in the range of Mike Williams, Michael Thomas. Uh, yeah, I have him at wide receiver 28, so I'm a little bit lower on, on him than Jake. But I would, I think Michael Thomas and Chris Godwin are, is a great kind of comparison. And for me, I think there's less risk with Chris Godwin, even knowing that he may not be ready for week one and maybe not even ready for week two. But it's a pretty classic ACL injury for a guy who's not that old, who just needs to put in the time. And, like, mm -hmm. and we know that this will come back around. And I'm OK if I have to live through a, a slow September and find replacement options in September. But if I can get full Chris Godwin for the second half of the season, like that's, you know, I'll, I, I'm sign me up for that. And I, I would sign me up for that over Michael Thomas, who, like I said, like I think there's just more kind of variables in play with him, with what's gone with him, on with him the last couple of years and the soft tissue injuries. Like this is just a straight up ACL. Fix it. You come back. We've had plenty of precedent of that happening. So, mm -hmm. um, so I'm a little bit more willing to to invest in that, and in that offense, and in what he's done in that offense the last couple of years than I am with Michael Thomas. Per 17 game average in the two years with uh, with Tom Brady, Chris Godwin is giving you 107 catches, 1270 yards, and eight touchdowns. I'm in on all five of these guys. The one who I am most in on at price is Chris Godwin, and it's not close. I, uh, yeah, you know what? It is Camara's right there too. In terms of how strongly in I am on these guys, I'll address the uh, the. I mean, we're hearing plenty of talk about the Buccaneers offensive line. Ryan Jensen got hurt. That's not a good thing. It's a center. They can fill it in, and that's really the only injury. I'm, I'm, everything else is going to be fine for this Buccaneers offensive line. They lost their very, guard too. Very good last year. Yeah, but you know they've they've have they have built in contingency plans uh for 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 the interior line in that way and so i just think that we're not really going to see much of a drop off if any drop off from the uh, buccaneers line where it was a season ago they also lost uh, a, a guy in free agency to the Bengals, but like this is a team that had plenty of depth at the position they were able to um fill in the gaps uh where necessary i think going into this year and so i think they're going to be just fine i think the uh the fact that the idea that that's an issue for this team has been overstated this summer and so uh, Tom Brady's back everything's hunky-dory Chris Godwin's gonna have a monster season uh if we're really if we are really able to get Chris Godwin as wide receiver 30 31 I, whoever gets him is going to be very happy and I'm not even like this is one where I really want to reach because like I don't want to mess around with this if I'm taking him as wide receiver 24 wide receiver 22 that's totally fine with me Jake you hit the nail on the head once he's fully healthy this is a top 15 wide receiver in the NFL for fantasy purposes maybe even for real life purposes Love everything about Chris Godwin. Like I, I, I want him. I want him everywhere. You guys I want him everywhere, everywhere. Give me Chris Godwin. Give me all the Godwin I can handle. Nothing. Oh, oh. I, thought, I thought you were segueing out of it. <laughs> I, I thought that was yeah. I thought that was mic drop. Uh, I guess it can be. We can call it a show. We can call it a show with that absolute exclamation point on the end of Chris Godwin. That's going to do it for the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast this edition, my friends. Thanks so much for listening. For Jake and Funston, I'm Michael Beller. We're back with you a little bit later this week with one more episode. Until then, have a good couple of days. We'll talk to you soon.